It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Bill Hemmer. This is Hemmer Time. This is a great American story. Ken Langone, welcome. Thank you for having me, Bill. You know, are you always filled with this overflowing enthusiasm? Absolutely. From the time I get up in the morning till the time I go to bed. Because I watch you and I think, man, this guy's got vigor. And I, I, I'm just blessed. Is that what it is? Yeah, and I, the, the beginning and the end of it is to, to be living in this country, to me, is one of the greatest joys in life. Mm. Maybe the greatest after my faith. I, I we're going to talk about all that. Okay, but I'm just but saying, I've, with this, this country, there's nothing like it. I've never seen you tired, Ken. Well, if you see me around 1030 at night, you'll know. <laughs> it takes about, I never have trouble going to sleep because well, there's no energy left in the bottle. Yeah, okay. you're 82 years old, right? I'm going to be 83 in September. You've got a new book out. It's called I Love Capitalism. It's a great title. And the What's that of, mean? But the other part of the title is An American Story. It's an American story. It's all about America. Yeah. I just let me give our, our listeners a bit of an idea. The mini bio is this: born and raised in Long Island, New York. Right. Right. Married to wife Elaine. Right. Sixty-two years. We'll, mar- we'll be married sixty-two in September. All right. Lovely lady. Good lady. Oh, the best. Good. Great uh, sense of humor. Good yeah. athlete. Great lady. Three kids. Three kids. Drop dead good looking. I mean, <laughs> anything you could want in a lady. In a life well lived. Right. Yeah. A- yeah. Accurate so far. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Cliff Notes. Businessman. Businessman. Venture Capital. Venture Capital. Part of the original three who founded Home Depot. Yeah, well, actually, there were four of us. There was a fourth guy, Pat mm-hmm. Farah. He, he didn't come in immediately when we founded it, but he was there a month or two. Made you a lot of money. He made us a lot of money. He was a very brilliant, very creative you, guy. You made a lot of money. We all made a lot of money. Later, you wrote a check to NYU Medical Center, a large check in New York Hospital, mm-hmm. which is excellent, by the way, and today it is named after you. Yeah, it's uh, more than death of my wife and me. It's mm-hmm. the, Elaine A. and Kenneth G. Langone mm. Medical Center. So I want to figure out how you got here. And as I open up to page nine, it says, I was never academically curious in high school. I did not apply myself at all. I did the absolute minimum. Yeah. When did that change? Uh, academically, probably never. Mm. You know, uh, I was an okay student in college. I became a much better student in graduate school for one reason. I loved what I was studying. I loved business. That's what changed. Yeah. I was, you know, it was accounting. It was corporate finance. It was mergers and acquisitions. It was uh, securities analysis. It was things I could get. I guess the best way I can describe it is I would pay to go to work every day because that's what I do every day. Wow. And I love it. So here's a good example. I tell kids, make sure whatever you're going to do, make sure you can't wait to get up in the morning to go to work. Right. Or, or that you'd be willing to pay to go to work if you had to. You know what, though? It's easier said than done to find something like that. No, it's not. Uh, why? A, a life well, passion. I got a, buddy, I got a buddy of mine that owns a restaurant in New York, Dean Pohl. He owns Gallagher's and he owns the Boathouse in uh-huh. Central Park. Great location. He, this guy can't wait to get in there every day. And he's having the time of his life and his success is phenomenal. Not good. It's phenomenal. What he's done at the both house, which was on its butt, and what he's done at Gallagher's, which was on its butt, is unbelievable. And why? Because Dean is passionate about what he's doing. Yeah. So it changed for you when you started studying business. I remember when it changed for me. It was tough for me to get out of bed when I was in grade school. 
But the first day that I woke up to go to high school, mm-hmm. I knew I had to get my act together. I was in an all-Catholic boy high school. Oh, boy. Very competitive. Uh-huh. West side of Cincinnati. Right. And I sprung out of bed, and I've, I've kind of never looked back. I, I didn't view academic standing as particularly competitive. I mean, it's ironic. The course that I liked the least of all in college was history in high school. And the, and the area I love more than anything in the world to read about now is history. Don't okay. ask me to explain yeah. it. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of it's got to do with instruction. A lot of it's got to do with a teacher. I had an algebra teacher in the ninth grade. She really turned me on to numbers. She really, her way of teaching and the stimulation I got from being in that class, to this day I still love do things in my head with numbers. I'm I'm fascinated by numbers. I business is all about numbers, not all yeah. about, but a lot of it is about more numbers. Certainly, finance and accounting and corporate finance and securities analysis, good part of its numbers. And I I'm comfortable in that setting, and I like it, so it worked. But you know, like like uh, English composition. Well, in the book, the book tells a story about my freshman Bucknell uh, economics professor threw my exam book on his desk and said, this is the worst English I've ever read in my life. He said, I can't tell you how much I struggled to get through it to figure out what you were talking about. But when I got done, it dawned on me, you really understand economics as good as any kid I've ever seen. And I'm just curious, how are you doing? And I said, where? He said, well, in my class. I said, well, you're, I'm not doing very good there. And he said, what about the rest of your classes? And I said, about the same. He said, well, you mean you're going to fail? I said, yeah, I'm just about failing and everything. It was eight weeks into the first semester. And he said to me, you want to fail out? I said, no, I don't. He, he also said to me, did anybody ever tell you you were stupid? And I said, yeah, a lot of people. And he said, well, the tragedy is not that they told you. The tragedy is you believe them. And he said to me, I think you really got some. And he said, I'm willing to reach out to all your professors and see if we can turn this thing around. Are you willing to do your part? And I said, I'll do whatever I have to because I didn't want to disappoint my mother. I was having a great time. I was yeah. going to parties every night. It was rush week. And it was rush. You, you got pledged in a fraternity six weeks after you got there. So there were fraternity parties every night and every weekend. Hell, I figured this is what college is all about. Wow. It's for me. Why do you have such high regard for what the red, white, and blue has done for you? Now, you've got to sit up in that microphone. Okay, here's, here's, what, here's why I have such high regard. It's just simple. My mother and father, my father went to the eighth grade, my mother went to the seventh grade. <clears throat> it was interesting. They were intelligent, but they weren't educated. Big difference. My mother especially. My mother was just an enormous well of wisdom. And <clears throat> so here I am. I'm rough around the edge kid. Wanting to make a buck, and I drop, I, I get dropped into this place called America. My grandparents came from Italy, and I, Bill, when I put this American flag on my lapel every morning, honest to God, every morning, I say, Grandma and Grandpa, thanks for coming to America. Wow. Because it wouldn't have happened in Italy. Mm. I can guarantee you that. Every morning. Every morning. So I am completely convinced that none of what happened to me would have happened except for the fact that I was born in America. Yeah. And that's how I feel. And I've served my country twice. I've got one son that was a Marine for four years, a lieutenant. I think we can never do enough to give back. I have no trouble paying my taxes. 
Uh, and that's the same with New York State. I could move out of New York State, but this is where I made it, and this is where the action is. And mm-hmm. you know and I know there's no place like – Cincinnati's a nice town, yeah. but it's only a town. <laughs> There's no place like it's New York. It's a good town. Oh, it's a wonderful town. Good river town. Oh, great river town. And My great, family's there. And great people. But there's only one New York in the world. Never be another New York. Never yeah. be another New York ever again. You know, I asked a few of your friends um, who know you quite mm. well. Mm. And I said, well, I mean, what do you think of Langone? And uh, so many people came back generous and kind, uh, very often used. Um, and then there was this. He's real. I knew him when he was just a millionaire. <laughs> I suppose that I don't you, know what I am. Do you right know now. who that was? That that was Neil Cavuto, by the way. Yeah. By the way, by the way, I don't know what I'm worth, and I don't care. I'm worth a lot of money. I said to Cavuto, I said, I mean, low millions or high millions? He said, Oh no, it was just really low at that time. Probably wasn't even that. You're a billionaire. Well, that's what people say. I don't count it. I have a look. I'm superstitious, among other things. Whenever I played poker as a kid, I used to love to play poker. And I counted what I had in front of me before the game was over. I always lost. I ain't quitting, so I'm not counting now because I'm afraid, <laughs> goddammit, if I count, you know, I, I got a good idea, but I don't know what I'm worth. You know what? It doesn't matter. It's in the abstract. What really matters, and I said it in the book, my real net worth is what good I do with what I have. Not just giving it away. Not just giving it away, but creating jobs. Big thing in America. The biggest foundation of this country is full employment. If we, if, if we don't address income inequality in America, we're going to have a serious problem. And this goes to guys like me. This goes to guys like me saying, whatever you're going to do, make sure the people that are all with you, not for you, nobody works for me. A lot of people work with me. They're all rewarded as you succeed. That's the, the genius of Home Depot. Yeah, the, the, the economy's humming. Uh, do you think that's a, a- That's great. Is that a function of the government to do what you're saying? Or? Well, I think the government, to this extent, if they leave us alone, like deregulation, that's a big help. See, I think the tax law change is less meaningful than the deregulation. Less meaningful. Oh, absolutely. I, I think so many of these regulations that were put in in the Obama years were absolutely without any purpose or any reason. They were just somebody creating. Are you listening to this Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders? It turns out they're Democrats. I'm not picking on them because Democrats. I'm picking on them because what they say doesn't make sense. Bernie Sanders, go show me the number of jobs, Bernie Sanders. He feels people's pain. And he wants to represent them and he wants to run for president. What's he done for them up till now besides getting elected to the U.S. Senate, which is no small feat. But the point is there's more to it than just Winning. Mm-hmm. What did he do with his life beforehand? Tell me the jobs he created. Tell me the charities he's helped. Tell me the time he's given to help kids. Tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock, I'll be in, I'm bragging. I'll be in Harlem at my charter school helping kids because I want these kids to have a shot at the dream like I had, like I lived. I didn't just have a shot at the American dream. I am the American dream. That's simple. You talk a lot about money in your book. I wonder what money means to you. And the reason I ask that question is I've always thought money will give you freedom from those who would otherwise make decisions for you. Let me tell you my theory on money. Money will do one of two things. It'll make you a better person or it'll make you a worse person, but it won't leave you the same. It's that simple. 
You start with no money. You make money. It's either going to drive you to be a better person or it's going to be the reason why you're less of a person. But it won't leave you the same. That's the scary part about money. The challenge is to ask, okay, I did this. Why not? Look, I'm 82 years old. I got up this morning at 6 o'clock. I went to the gym. I went to the 8 o'clock mass at St. Pat's. I've had four meetings so far, two at the medical center with a, with a bunch of kids from Italy that are here for fellowships in neuroscience. Um, I got two more this afternoon. I got a 6 o'clock meeting tonight. When I get back to the apartment, I'll be just looking for a pillow and a bed so I can just pour my body into it and go to sleep. And why do I do it? Because I love it. I don't know for the money. I've, I, I don't know what I'm worth, but I know I don't have to work again ever mm-hmm. to have whatever I want. So why do I do it? Because I love it. Page 135. Yeah. If the phone rings, I'm like the proverbial firehouse dog. Off to the races. Who knows who might be calling? Right. You're looking for a deal. Every day. Every single day. Why not? Christ, it's fun. And more importantly, it gives me purpose. It gives me definition. Isn't that what I'm supposed to be all yeah. about? So you've concluded the surefire way to make money is to do something you love. I mean, that, that's what I hear well, from, I think from what puts, you're saying. I would think the worst hell on earth is waking up every morning and say, oh, damn, I got to go to that job again. Worst hell on earth. I can't tell you. If I could get by with no sleep at all so I could work 24 hours a day, I would work 24 hours a day. Now, work includes my charities. It includes uh, causes that I'm committed to and believe in. Uh, It includes work. It includes going out and playing nine holes of golf with my wife yesterday afternoon. She beat me, by the way. Oh, you okay with that? I have no trouble. Not at all. you know, having dinner with friends last night on a Sunday night, they came out. From, he's from Italy. He's here from Italy, and we had him out to dinner at the house. And you know, I'm, I'm beating my son and daughter-in-law, and my granddaughter are here from Arizona for a couple of weeks. So all weekend long, we were around the house hanging out together. That's what we do. Yeah, eat some cherries and have a bowl <laughs> of grapes, and it's simple stuff. Yeah. Page one seventy-nine. Yeah, you're negotiating with NYU. Yeah. You say, we've got some of the greatest doctors practicing some of the greatest medicine in the world. Right. The only problem with you guys, and frankly, the one thing I'm good at and that you stink at, is I know how to brag and you guys don't. What I meant was, I'm a salesman. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're blessed with the no, gift those, of gab. They had, when, I, when Marty Lipton asked me to take the job, I figured I was going to find a, re, a reconstruction job, which is the hardest part of finding people, bringing them in, finding great, they were all there. They were all, this place practiced spectacular medicine. And I'm scratching my head and I'm saying, wait a minute, the hard part's over. Mm. All I got to do is find some fat cats with money and put some buildings up and give these guys better facilities to work in. And so the first meeting, I, I, I believe in town meetings. And to this day, Bob Grossman, the dean and CEO, and I have town meetings with the docs. We have town meetings with the nurses. The first meeting I ever went to, true story. I'm up there with a then dean, wonderful man, Bob Glickman, and I tell the docs, I said, now, first of all, I said, if I had the power to write a prescription like all of you in this room do, the first thing I would do is double the dose of Prozac for my friend here on my right because he's got the worst case of depression in the (laughs) world. And he did. He was, I mean, every place he looked, something needed to be fixed. There was no money. He He knew he had great doctors on his hands doing great stuff, and it was just 
and they were trying to merge the company, merge the place with Mount Sinai, which was a merger from hell. It was bad for them. It was bad for us. And the smart thing we did, one of the things I pushed hard when I first started was break it up. And we broke it up. They're better off and we're better off. Wow, you helped them see a different way. Well, that's what you did. And so I then said to the docs in the room, I said, guys, I'm going to make one promise I know I can keep. None of you are going to have everything you want. But every one of you is going to have more than you have right now. That's my promise. Ah, love that. Okay. I, I tell a lot of people, you wrote a check for $100 million. That was anonymous for nine years. We gave the should, money. should I not be? No, I don't mind about it. No, no. I, we, gave, we, we gave the first money in 99, and it was anonymous. And I didn't want, the reason I wanted it to be, well, first of all, my wife is much better with a low profile. God bless it. She's not, you know, she's not into the society scene and all that stuff. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Just not her. And I said, well, let's give them a, when I suggested to her that if I took the job, I wanted to make a statement that we're into this thing, we're in all the way. What do you mean? I said, well, I'd like, I think we're going to give 100 million bucks. So she looks at me and she says, do we have that kind of money? I said, yeah, I think we can handle it. Oh, wow. And I, every moment you thought, man, I'm really rich. I think that every, I thought that when I was poor. Yeah. Hell, I had a great childhood. Plenty of food on the on the table. A mother and father that couldn't stop loving me with unconditional love like you can't believe. Best friends. Nice little town I grew up in. Love the Yankees. They were winning one World Series after another. Life life was, life continues to be good. When it's over, I had a hell of a run. How could I not feel good about being born in this great country? Great-grandparents, no, they didn't have mansions and they didn't have drivers and they didn't have butlers and whatever the hell else you get when you get a lot of money or no art, no walls, none of that. They were humble. My grandfather worked in the sand pit out in Long Island. And then he worked in the back of a truck shoveling sand on the roads at night when you had ice on the road during storms for the state of New York. But I didn't know. I thought it was paradise. You were rich in many ways. I was rich beyond. The best rich was these parents who could not ever, ever give me enough love and totally unconditional. Now, that said, my, my father's favorite expression when I'd screw up was, you know, if I never see you again, it'll be too soon. <laughs> and then five minutes later, he's hugging me and giving me a kiss. You know, it, it, didn't, it didn't mean anything. What, what do you think of the valuations of these companies today? Apple, a trillion dollars. The market. That's the market. What Amazon, do I, no, what do Google. I think? That, that's the market. That's what the market says they're worth. People are willing to pay that price for the stock. That's that's objectivity. That's a fair valuation. Somebody is willing to pay whatever the last sale is. That's what somebody says the stock is worth. Mm. So what, what do I think? Well, I believe in free markets. And a free market dictates values. If you were... 60 years younger, Mm -hmm. what business would you get into? Same ones I did. Same. Yeah. Look, I I look at kids today and they're worried about everything's been invented, everything's been discovered, nothing's left to do. Look at idiots like me, 82 years old. We're vibrant, thank God. We're active. I think of all my buddies that are my age, Larry Bossidy, Jack Welch, Bill Cotton, Bill's not my age, he's younger, uh, my partner Tommy Teague in the 70s, we're living longer, we're living healthier. 
we're more alert. Sure, there's some people that don't have the good fortune that we had, but we're going to be wanting things and needing things. I'm saying to kids, figure out what this, this is a, a rapidly expanding more. The biggest, the fastest growing category, category of age, you ready? Fastest growing, 100 and over. Now you're starting with a small base, mm. but the fact is, as a percentage of the base, people are getting older 100 years more wow. rapidly than any other age bracket. It makes medical care so what I'm saying is more important. Is, uh, yeah. Medical care, pleasures, recreation, homes, gadgets and homes. Yeah, th- th- think about that. This is a podcast, right? Right. How do you think technology, what's, what's it doing to the world, to business, to America, to the way we live, the way we communicate? Technology is fabulous. Yeah. This crap that we're going to become slaves of technology. I can think about 20 years ago. When I was in a car driving 200 miles, I had to stop to call, make a payphone call, and the time I lost, I can sit in my car now for two. I can sit in my plane, get it all done. I can call any place in the world. I can get things done. There's no more wasted time. Technology's fabulous. But when 10:30 night rolls around, I Ken Langone, the guy that figures out the technology to do away with sleep, has the secret ingredient of all ingredients. Wow. How do you think the president's doing? I like what he's doing. I wish he had a different style, but I like what he's doing. I really, I know, I, I think, look, I think, for example, these trade deals, why is it, why should Germany be able to get 100% tariff on an American car into Germany and only pay 2.5% tariff coming into the United States? Why? I mean, you want to talk free trade and fair trade? Why these discrepancies? Okay. Canada in the United States and Mexico? Sure, the guns and butter, you, you make guns cheaper than I can make guns. You make the guns. I make butter cheaper than you. I make the butter. That's one of the basic, that was in Paul Samuels in the basic economics book 60 years ago when I was a student. No, 65 years. The point I'm making is he's doing a lot, he's getting a lot of stuff done. We've got three guys out of Korea. That's good enough for me. And if nothing else happens, we've got three guys wow. sprung. Okay? Now, for 20 years, we watched this guy develop nuclear capabilities and didn't do a damn thing about it. Whether he's a third-stage player or a fifth-stage player or a tenth-stage player, if he's got nuclear weapons, he's a danger. So guess what I think? I think you sit and say to that kid, now look, if you want a better life for you and your people, if you want a better life for you and your people, stop screwing around with that stuff and let's talk about how we can do business. Good for you and good for me. He may just want to survive. Well, whatever. I don't know what's in his head. I know this much. He's got more to gain. One thing we know, and he knows it, if he were to do a preemptive strike on us, let's say he went after Seoul, Korea, with his, what, 30 million people or something, he'd take out 10 million people. Guess what? That country would be leveled in 12 hours. You are correct. It'd be all over. And you know what? He'd have nothing. We'd be damaged but he'd be extinct. You mentioned your Catholic faith yep. a lot. Yep. How come? Because everything I think about in my life that has stood me in good stead goes back to my faith. Because, I mean, for example, I, I've said if I, I used to teach at NYU, the graduate school, that's interesting, isn't it? I almost flunked out of college. And, <laughs> and uh, how many years later? That was, that was 53. 
And seven years later, I'm teaching at NYU uh, uh, undergraduate business school. Seven years from almost being washed out. But you, you like tell, that? You like that story, don't you? Yeah, because you know what? It tells you the potential of a kid. Okay, don't give up on a kid. Life's a long race. Just I can tell you right now. I think of the BMOCs. You know what a BMOC yeah. was? Big man, Big on, man campus. on campus. I think of the number of BMOCs that were stars. I don't even know where they are anymore. I know something right now they haven't done for Bucknell what I did. Okay? So life is a long race. At 21, you haven't even started the race yet. It ain't over. It ain't begun. Okay? Now, so let's go back to my faith. If I was teaching a course in business and somebody said you could only have one book, a single book, it would be the Bible. Why? The lessons in the Bible, when you talk about do unto others as you would have others do unto you, that saved me from Bernie Madoff. That was my whole mindset. I said, wait a minute. He's going to give me a better deal than he's got all these people that have been around him forever. Supposing I was one of those people and he's giving this better deal to somebody else, how would I feel? Okay? Uh, the truth. Humility. Uh, um, uh, kindness. Sharing. Um, the parable of where the guy hires the, the, the one guy to work at 8 o'clock in the morning till 6, and then he hires one at 5 o'clock, and he only works an hour, but he pays them all the same. And the guy that's worked 10 hours is bitching about why did you pay me. The guy said, wait a minute, it's my money. I can do what I want with it. It didn't cost you anything. It came out of my pocket. When you look over your 82 years, right. was there a certain period that you considered a golden age for yourself? Oh, yeah. What, when was that? When I met my wife. Oh, yeah. When you're 18? I was 18. She was 16. Holy Christ. She knocked me off my feet. <laughs> Elaine. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, you know, you, you, you know, marriages are interesting things. They're a lot of luck. You either grow apart or you grow together, you know, and it's kind of like money. It doesn't leave you the same. But, but you know, I, 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 I feel for people who didn't have the same success in a marriage that I did. But on the other hand, I think, and this is not being a good Catholic, I think the worst thing in the world is for two people who wake up one day and realize that there's nothing there to keep going. That's not nice. That's not right. Now, I know some, oh, you're talking about divorce. I, you call it whatever you want. I'm saying to you that two people who don't really have anything in common or anything to enjoy, why, why make themselves miserable and make people around them miserable because they're just hanging in there for the sake of hanging in there? So that and, and hell, when I was selling Reese, when I was collecting cardboard, all these things, they were fun. And I always got a buck in my pocket. That was the key. Mm. I always had a buck in my pocket. And Great stuff. Great stories. How about some questions, huh? Go ahead. You want some 22 questions? A little yep. rapid-fire round? Yep, 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 yep. All right, here we go. Jason's got some music here, and um, off we run. What is the first website you check in the morning? Now, come closer to the microphone. Uh, my first website in the morning is uh, the one where I say the rosary. Wow. What is your <clears throat> lowest golf index? My handicap was 12, so I guess my low index was about 11. At 11. Favorite it, golf? It ain't, it ain't 12 anymore. Yeah, I get it. Well, so, I, had a, oh. I had a 45 for nine holes yesterday. That's pretty good. That's good. With a birdie and two. I, I like a, that. With a birdie and two bars. You got a memory for the week then. What's oh, yeah. your favorite golf course? I, I can go on. I like them all. I all mean, right. Favorite? Birdie, 
What's your favorite? Seminole. What's your favorite thing to do on the weekend? Read. What's the coolest thing in your home? My screening room where I can go down and watch any movie I want to watch. What's the coolest thing in your office? All the pictures of people around me. What's your guilty pleasure? Eating too much. What's your favorite board game? I don't play board games anymore. Bottled water or tap water? Tap water. Favorite TV show? Uh, Blue Bloods. If you left New I'm York. Why Blue Bloods? Because of the lunch on Sundays. I got more questions. Minute, the lunch on Sundays with my grandparents. That reminded me of my upbringing. Go to my grandmother's every Sunday for lunch. And they got a, they have a scene in there every year, every show for the family together at the house. I love it. Okay. If you left New York, where would you live? Probably Florida. Favorite holiday? Uh, Christmas. Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts? Dunkin' Donuts. What time did you get up this morning? Uh, 26. How many emails do you get a day? 50, 75. What book must everyone read? The Bible. What movie must everyone see? Uh, it's a tie. Ruthless People, uh, My Cousin Vinny. It's uh, pretty good. Well, you know what? You go to a mo- I go to a movie to leave all my problems outside and go in and just lose myself in the movie. Favorite restaurant in New York City? Uh, have to be Rayo's. Uber or a yellow taxi? Yellow taxi. Do you prefer lyrics or music? Music. What is your favorite aisle at Home Depot? All of them. I love them all. I love <laughs> I my children. I love all my kids. Ken Langone, a real honor to speak with you today. Thank you for having me, Bill. Uh, you bet. And yeah. give my regards to Cincinnati, okay? I uh, will do that. Well, I'm in New York now, but okay. I'll do that. Okay. The book is called I Love Capitalism, and it's great to speak with you today. Thank Thanks you. Ken Langone. I'm Bill Hemmer. This is Hemmer Time. Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.